Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. The Shane Train, Penn State 2023 preview, college football championship, and NFL Week 18. All right, time to cash in. All right, Shane, happy 2023. I think there's no better way to kick off the new year than with the Shane Train. And uh, this is a, a, a really, I, I was making notes kind of all during uh, all during the holiday season on just kind of interesting stories that uh, that, that I've I've seen. But I think we have to start with the one story that uh, that has really captured the headlines in, in a lot of different ways. And that is the DeMar Hamlin injury. Uh, Shane, first, did you see it live? Yes. Did you, what was your first thought? Were you paying attention? Did you have a, have any idea what was going on? Yeah. So I was watching, uh, my wife and I both were in fantasy football championships. So we're watching. And as soon as it happened, when he stood up and then fell back down, that's when I'm like, Ooh, something's not right with that guy. But you never, like, I never would have guessed it was a, a heart attack. You know what I mean? Like that no, right. cardiac yeah. arrest that, that just, that, that never crossed my mind. Yeah. It was weird. So I, I, I had watched the Rose bowl. Um, had people over for that. And by the way, you missed out. I made probably the best ribs I've ever made in my life. Uh, they were incredible. I'll have to get you some next time. Um, so I'm cleaning up after that. I kind of have the game on. It's right around like nine o'clock. The baby starts kind of fussing. I have to go rock her back to sleep and kind of I, I like walk through my living room and look at the TV and they're just there's, you know, just people kind of standing around. I just figured it was, you know, your typical injury. So I just kind of go upstairs. Uh, I'm rocking her to sleep and I look at on my phone. And at first I thought that maybe the helmet of T Higgins kind of got under his face mask, which mm-hmm. you see, and he yeah. kind of knocks him out. And then I thought that uh, the way that he made the tackle, he kind of like his arm got rolled up on. I thought maybe it was like a compound fracture, but the way he just fell over was probably you had an idea. It was something more than that. And I, I just had a feeling, you know, <laughs> five minutes after it, that this game was not going to be not going to finish. The yeah. players were, yeah, that's were a weird really thing distraught. Too. <clears throat> So to my my actual question, the first question, the Shane train, have you ever been to a sporting event where something, you know, not necessarily like that, but something that kind of put a hush over the crowd occurred Any anything that comes to mind? Oh, that's a great question. So the first thing that jumped out this, it's not necessarily a hush over the crowd, but I was at an Eagles preseason game and we were sitting in the stands and there was just like a buzz that started to happen. Mm-hmm. So like Aaron's kind of looking around. It was like, I don't know, 2007, I guess, 2008. Right. Uh, maybe 2008. So there's just like a buzz going around. Everyone's sort of checking their phones. You hear a lot of dinging and like everything sort of fell silent for like what felt like 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And then everyone's just talking amongst themselves. And it was the Eagles when they signed Michael Vick. And I still remember just like the whole, like everyone finding out at the same time because they're all, you know, it's an Eagles preseason game. It's all diehard Eagles fans. And, yeah. So everyone's running out at the same time. And like, I just remember that sort of like commotion of like, what's going on. And, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I remember I was, I was, I was at the shore. It was, you know, it was obviously in August. And, and I just do, I remember when that came through. And even, even then you get that feeling like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be something. Um, I, I was, I think I was in eighth grade and we were playing a football game and uh, there was a teammate of mine. I, I, I believe what happened was he got, I think he got stepped on. Like he was, he was, I think it was ball carrier got tackled and then somebody stepped on him and they ended our game and had a helicopter land in the middle of steel field to take him away. And I think like the next Monday he was just in school (laughs) and it was kind of like, like parents sort of uh, thinking it was something more than it was. And like, they literally had to airlift him out. And I, I think he had like maybe a bruised lung or something, which, which is obviously serious for an eighth grader. But, uh, but I remember that just being like, Oh my God, like this guy might be dead. And when you're in eighth grade, you're totally freaked out. But, but when, when this Damar Hamlin thing happened, I legitimately thought like, we're going to get a report that this guy died. And when you start hearing that, like they did CPR for, for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. I, I know nothing about CPR, how, how it works, but 10 minutes seems like a very long time to be working on reviving somebody. So I thought that was uh that was really just a unique moment. And now the, the ramifications of it, it looks like he's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I did see, I did see a doctor uh, um, on, on the news, I think kind of just saying like, you know, if it's going to happen to somebody and it's going to happen in a place that's not a hospital, you'd want it to be at a yeah, you know major sporting event. And you they, want it to happen practice to... it before every single game. They practice that exact situation, which is I think, incredible. I, I, I think they will not start even like a high school football game without an ambulance there. Like, I think that every level of, of you know, I know college 
college football, college basketball have to have ambulances there. But I think even high school, they, they have to have something there too. Um, they have to have something there in, in case, in case of an emergency. Um, but just a, yeah, just a crazy thing. And then, uh, um, when they kind of started saying what it was, they just said like, it's good that you're a phenomenal athlete, 24 years old, yeah. because you're going for a period of time without oxygen and having, you know, a extreme lung capacity of a, of a world-class athlete is, is helpful. So it's uh it's pretty crazy, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to, just wanted to yeah, the, the, the cover only, that. And... The only other thing on that, I mean, it, it's great that he's doing well and, you know, donations are pouring into his charity. Which, yeah. It's crazy. You know, the, the, the cool thing about that was, so I think he's what his, this is, third year or second year in the NFL, but he's had the charity for three years. So he mm-hmm. like started in college, which is cool. Yep, um, so it's yep. good to see those, those donations pouring in the, uh, the one, you know, ESPN aside from what happened to, to, to the kid, but ESPN must just be like kicking themselves because coming off oh. that Rose bowl and just the hype of that game and then going into what's arguably would have been, mm-hmm. could have been the game of the year. And just having that that sort of collapse. I mean, there was such a high coming off of that that Penn State game, especially around this area. Um, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see it uh, play out, but it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL does to try and uh, try and try and try and fix the situation. Yeah, and like I said, this this was to be the game of the year for the NFL. Two two really good teams, you know, quarterbacks playing at a high level, and uh, obviously a lot of fantasy implications going on. So, um, you know, really a a just a crazy uh, you know just a crazy crazy event. Um, another insane story, and I don't know if you're going to have have any knowledge of this because I didn't until I, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, couldn't fall back asleep and read this story. <laughs> um, Greg Berhalter is the coach of the United States men's soccer team, the national team. And there was a story going on throughout the, the World Cup where uh, he was not playing a player named Gio Reyna. And Gio Reyna is a 20 year old, uh, a talented player. Uh, plays for Borussia Dortmund, which is which is a high level Bundesliga team. Um, very odd that that he just you know was not playing him. And and before the World Cup started, he told Gio Reyna, uh, you know, your role is going to be diminished. And apparently, Gio Reyna acted out in practice in some way to the point where Berhalter almost had to send him home. After the World Cup ends, and Reyna played, I think he played seven minutes against England and forty five minutes against the Netherlands. I, I believe is is what he ended up ended up playing. Um, and apparently he apologized to the team and was allowed to stay and, and everything. But, you know, as a 20 year old who, you know, what's the, what's the compete? He obviously um, was not, not a model citizen. Uh, now his father is a U.S. soccer legend, Claudio, Claudio Reyna. Um, and Claudio Reyna and Greg Berhalter, you know, they, they played together. And uh, just a very odd uh, coincidence was Greg Berhalter's wife and Claudio Reyna's wife, Gio Reyna's mother, were roommates in college. So during the World Cup, Gio Reyna hardly plays. Uh, Greg Berhalter gives a talk to like, you know, just some fundraiser benefit thing after the World Cup. And he's giving a speech and he talks about how one player almost had to be sent home, not using names, it said almost had to be sent home with like an attitude issue. And he's using an example, whatever, have a good attitude. Claudio, uh, I'm sorry, Gio and his mom hears this and remembers an incident from college where Greg Berhalter had met his wife. This is 1991. Uh, in a drunken argument, he ended up kicking his wife several times in the legs. Gio and his mom brings this up, takes to the media. Greg Berhalter is now under investigation. Now, the way Greg Berhalter kind of handled it was he took it head on and he said, I know that somebody came out with with some kind of uh, story that's going to ruin me and let me just get it out in the open. And he put it on his, I think, I believe Twitter or Instagram, put it out there, get ahead, got ahead of it. Gio and his mom wanted to make sure everyone knew that she was the one who brought the story out. Shane, is this, is this an instance of a mom taking it a little too far about her boy not getting playing time? We see it in youth sports. You don't expect to see it in a World Cup team. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is obviously to to the extreme. I remember when the Sixers were tanking and they had, who was it, J- Jaden McDaniels? Was that his name? Or Jalen um, McDaniels? KJ McDaniels? Uh, I, for, I forget his name. Was, but I believe it was there, KJ McDaniel. Was KJ McDaniels. Yeah, I, know, I know exactly so, who you're talking about. But yeah, yeah because <laughs> there's only 10, I don't know, maybe 1,000, 1,500 people in the stands, one of them yep. being his mom, who was yelling at the coach the whole time because oh, her son wasn't yeah. playing. I remember so that. Yeah. that truly reminded me of like a high school game because you could hear everything from the court. So um, that that's sort of what this reminds me of. But I mean, it's, it's, it's to a different extent. I, I did see this headline come across and it was almost like as I'm reading it, I'm like, this is just too bizarre to, to like comprehend. I sort of just like- Such a out. weird story. Soccer is- just, I think that if if the world would be in a better place, if 
if no one ever invented a soccer ball, I, I really, I really <laughs> believe that because like the violence around soccer is incredible. And then just like you only get these insane stories like they don't really I guess they don't really try to sweep anything under the rug in soccer like they would in, in you know, the major four sports in, in, in America. But uh, just a crazy, crazy story. All right. You mentioned tanking. Uh, I have a question, Shane. Number three on the Shane train is why can't the Flyers tank right? Uh, the Flyers are coming off a three-game winning streak right around the same time. Uh, a player named Connor Bedard, a 17-year-old Canadian who's playing in the World Juniors, they just beat the United States uh, last night in a game. Uh, he is supposed to be the next Connor McDavid, the next Sidney Crosby, the next Wayne Gretzky. Everyone wants him. The Flyers almost don't have a chance to get him at this point because they're winning too many games. Now, if you're the Flyers, what do you do? What do you do? You can't fall, you can't have the seventh pick in the draft. That's not going to get it done. You're You're horrible, but you're winning games. Yeah, I, I think it all comes down to Fletcher. Like what what he did in the offseason where he decided to do things that, you know, some emotional things for the fans, like let Lindblom go. I mean, he is a fan favorite on a cheap contract, still yep. a younger player that had a chance. Uh, and then go out and sign guys like D'Angelo, but not like it like those type of signings are on keep you mediocre. Exactly. As opposed yes. to exactly. going for a bigger prize like Goudreau, yep. who was yep. very much within the capability of what our financial situation was. So we could have gotten him playing with Hayes, playing with other Boston College teammates. And it it really, you know, it, it showed that they weren't willing to go all in. Uh, and then just the the torts hire. I mean, we we, we talked about this at, at the beginning of the year, which was you know what you're going to get out of him. The, yeah. He's going yep. to get the best out of his players for about a year, year and a half until everyone starts to grow sick of him. Probably the players are going to be the first ones and it's going to fall off early into year three, but he's at the point where he, he, he pushes guys and he presses the right buttons. He's not afraid to bench guys as we've seen throughout the year. Uh, so for all those reasons, the flyers aren't flyers are out. Flyers currently lead the Coyotes five to two. That's a team that's below them in the standings right now. It looks like Chicago is going to get Bedard, but your, your point is well taken that, What's Fletcher doing? Because you're you're going to pass on Goudreau, but you're going to get guys who are going to get you, like you said, to, to mediocrity. The Sixers fell into that 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 pattern quite a bit at, when Iverson, you know, kind of aged a little bit, and after Iverson, where they would, you know, you're signing guys like, you know, first to play with him, Keith Van Horn, uh, Glenn Big Dog Robinson. You're, you're bringing in these guys, but it's resulting in you're getting, you know, the twelfth pick in the draft, and you're taking Andre Iguodala, who perfect on a team with like a superstar as, as we saw, but you fall into this pattern of mediocrity. And I, I just don't understand. You have to say, okay, there's a generational talent that we have a chance of getting. Cause we could be that bad. You make the team just good enough not to get them. It, it just, it, it makes no sense to me. It's, 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 it's frustrating to be a Flyers fan right now. All right. Uh, and on to pigskin, the NFL, Devonta Adams uh, went to, went to Oakland to play with, uh, to play with his, former college teammate, uh, Derek Carr. Carr is uh, basically removed from the Raiders. Devontae Adams said he will still stay in Oakland, but he wants to have some say in who the next quarterback is. What are your thoughts on players uh, taking that kind of, of role within the organization where, you know, great, great player, obviously you want to keep him happy, but should players be allowed to make personnel decisions or input, get, provide input into those decisions? In some situations, yes. I, I don't think it works well in the NFL. I mean, I think we've seen it time and time again that it, it's just, uh, it's not something in terms of building a, a 53 man roster yeah. or 52, 53, whatever the, it is now, man roster. It's it's difficult in, in the NFL because there's a lot of complexity that goes into who you keep and why you keep. Um, you know, I think we talked about a lot with uh, Rogers going into this year where, you know, he wants to have guys like Randall Cobb on the team, but or backup tight ends <laughs> right. where they're like, well, we need a right. guy to cover punts. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. right. the, like, so there's, there's certain situations in which I think it, it's appropriate. I, I think in the NFL, I haven't seen a situation in which it's, it's really worked out. Uh, the NBA, there are some instances of it, but I'd say there's just as many, if not more instances of it, not working out in the NBA. Yeah. I think, I think when it does, I, the only time it, it necessarily matters to me is, uh, not necessarily saying, hey, I need this specific guy, but, you know, you hear, you know, Tom Brady taking a pay cut, Bryce Harper restructuring his contract, just, you know, and Harper did it, you know, more or less, to, I, I think, to ensure that they re-signed Real Muto, uh, but they were also able to spin that into, into you know, um, some other talented players. And then, you know, Tom Brady did it a lot with the Patriots where he would restructure his his deal to uh, to bring in, you know, talent around him to win win Super Bowls. So I think that's kind of when it works. But just to say I want to have say in who the next quarterback is, it's just kind of like, uh, like 
yeah, I, you're a really talented player. I, I get that, but you know, we have we have 52 other guys, like you said, that we got we got to worry about. Do you um, think? Do you think it's going to be Brady? That, yeah, he's he's the odds-on favorite. I saw. Yeah, because the McDaniel's I, connection. So with McDaniel's, and then that I don't know if you remember that story broke earlier in the year between Gronk and. I forget who 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 he's talking to, but uh, Dana White, I think, broke the story, actually. And then they followed up and asked Gronk about it. But there was a plan in place to get Brady to Oakland under Gruden, and Gruden yeah. turned it down. I, I think um, it would be more likely for me for Brady to retire than go to Oakland. Yeah, I agree. That, that's, how, that's how I feel right now. And I, I think if I he goes anywhere, it, be... it's going to be Miami or San Fran. I, I can't see him really going, going yeah. anywhere besides one of those two yeah. teams. Well, Jared Stidham balling out. Let's see, let's see what he can keep doing uh, for the uh, the silver and black. All right. Staying in the NFL, sort of. Um, Michigan is coming off a very tough loss in their uh, in their in their playoff game to TCU. Uh, Jim Harbaugh kind of gets a team there. Can't get over the hump. He's lost six straight postseason games, bowl games and playoff games. Uh, now the rumor swirling that Jim Harbaugh might be interested in return to the NFL so much so that uh, Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper has reached out. I know the Denver Broncos uh, new ownership group who probably have buyer's remorse right now might be interested in Harbaugh. Shane, do you think Harbaugh returns to the NFL? No, I don't. I think last year when he, this same exact situation happened, he took the meeting with Minnesota and then pretty much all of his coaches at Michigan just like yeah. jump ship and he went back and they he's been to the playoffs two years in a row. That's not an easy feat. And to to be able to do that two years in a row, I think he's in a good situation to uh, to sort of ride that out and see if he can get over the hump. And and Michigan is not, they are not positioned like a Alabama and Ohio State, a you know, uh, a Texas A and M schools like that that can really compete in recruiting because. There are, you know, it's not Stanford, but it's the University of Michigan is they have their academic requirements and they're more concerned about, you know, finding the next U.S. president than, you know, the next Tom Brady, although they've had both. Um, so I think that that it's difficult to recruit there. And they're, they're usually around the top 10 in the country. Um, I think they were 13th last year, which might really not get it done. So I think that Harbaugh could be using this as a play to say, all right, we have to improve our, our recruiting here. Uh, work with me, administration. Uh, how much money can we get, you know, NIL-wise? What can we do? What can we offer them? Um, and then, you know, there's always, co coaches always use, uh, the, the the greatest example is Pat Fitzgerald almost went to Ohio State, uh, but Northwestern essentially bought him like a brand new practice facility, which apparently is just incredible. So, you know, there, there's always an an upgrade that you need James Franklin, you know, dancing yeah, it's with a, it's USC. It's a James Franklin module. So it could, it could exactly be something like that. Say. The other thing with Harbaugh is he's 44, 19 and one as an NFL head coach. So this is not, a, you know, a, an unknown commodity. You know, you're going to get a really good football coach yeah. out of Harbaugh if you're an NFL team. So, you know, you're the Panthers or, or the Broncos. You say, all right, disaster, disaster. Well, do we make this guy the highest paid coach in the history of the NFL? To get him, I, you know, and and maybe maybe Harbaugh says, yeah, I guess I'm interested, but but I, I'm with you. I think that he he returns to Michigan. He 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 left the NFL to take the job at his alma mater. His and, you know, and there's also right. This job. is the job at his alma mater. You nailed it right there. So if he does go back to the NFL, I mean, is he a good enough coach that he has a possibility to go back to college? Like if the NFL doesn't work out or he decides it's not for him, does he yeah. go back to college? And if so, yeah, is I the job that he would want, which is Michigan, is it available anymore? I mean, this this is the spot he wants to be in college. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see him going anywhere else in college. So it might be, you know, he's still young enough as a coach that he might only have one more chance to uh, to make that transition uh, throughout his career. Yeah, he's a, he's a good football coach. I I, I think uh, it would be nice if he left because I would put Michigan in some turmoil next year when, when Penn State's going to be uh, really good. But uh, we're going to have a little bit more on that next. Place your bets. All right, Shane, Penn State coming off a huge Rose Bowl win. Uh, saw a lot of guys contribute who we expect to be contributing uh, next year. Um, now, as we look back on the season, I went back in our very first episode of this podcast. We talked about uh, the upcoming Penn State season, and we uh, kind of went over their schedule. Um, the one thing I'm proud of, as I said, I would not be surprised if Nick Singleton led the team in rushing uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the year. And that was, was dead on. And uh, when you saw him play, it didn't make me look smart at all because that guy is, <laughs> uh, he's the best running back in college football. I have no problem saying that. Um, and you probably have another top five running back in college football on Katron Allen. So looking ahead to 2023, I think you have those two guys and that's good for 10 wins. Just having those two guys. Cause you're, you're, your offensive line is, is gonna, you know, you're going to lose two scrugs. 
uh, but you're going to be able to replace uh, replace him. And, you know, he's a team captain, but he wasn't the best, you know, the best player on that line. So you still have a great offensive line and these incredible running backs. You're going to be able to run the ball all over teams. And my biggest concern for 2023 is who's Drew Aller going to throw the ball to. But it might not matter that much because this team can can really, really run the, run the football. And I don't expect that to slow down at all in 2023. Um, expectations could not be higher for me. Yeah, I, halfway through the game, I, I was already looking ahead because the pieces are, are really in place now. You have an experienced offensive line and young, talented skill positions. So I think that the main thing is, I mean, we have a top 10 NFL pick coming back this yeah. year because he wants to graduate. So, and that's in, in Fashanu. You have him on the offensive line. He has left a sack in 299 snaps or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's something crazy. So yep. you have that come back. You have, you have five other uh, offensive linemen between Wormley and, and Efner and, and Tengwall and Shelton mm-hmm. and Nizard who who have significant playing time throughout their their Penn State career. So you're you're deep at offensive line and you have what you just described as two of the more talented running backs in the country. You have Drew Aller, who is a top quarterback recruit. And from what we saw about him, he he looks like he can, he's not afraid to sling the ball downfield. Uh, and then you, you know, you have some some younger wide receivers, but what you saw out Lambert Smith, I mean, he's he's able to get it. Well, he's able to run run down the field. Yeah, I think I think he he is the last three games has has really uh stepped up his game and he's I mean, he's going to be the number one guy next year. They brought in they brought in the transfer from NC State, uh, Devin Carter, who who I think will play opposite him. And then you have Harrison Wallace, of course, who uh, you know who can do some do some things. And I you know we saw there, there's there's talent in that receiver room, but 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 Keandre Lambert Smith has to be the guy to to really step up for for Drew Aller next year. Um, he can he if he can carry this momentum into to next season and and uh, you know the reports you know in in his. Uh, interviews after the Rose Bowl were just like, I want to go. Let's. I want to go throw with him right now. Like, let's. I, I really want to. Yeah. You know. And, and I think that he he senses that. Okay, this could be something. You know, very special. I think the 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 whole team is thinking. Okay, this could be a national. That was all the all the contender. quotes that I heard yeah. coming out of the locker room yeah. were like, "We're really excited for next year." I mean, their defense finished what top twenty? I think it was in in the stats across the board. Yeah. And they're excited to cut. Like they're ready to hit the field again and and just keep yeah. going. That that makes me really excited because they see the talent that that is in there. I mean, they go out there and they beat a, a good Utah team. Now, you know, they lost their quarterback. Who knows what that second half would have been? I still think they pull it out. It would I, I, be a they, game. I mean, they were, they were, that, that, it would have uh, been that, a closer game, but they, they pull yeah, it out. It and, you know, you, you do that, you, you lose two games and you look at, you look ahead to next year. And, and I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see many holes. No, I think, you know, the one thing we have to wait on, but all signs look like Theo Johnson will be returning a tight end. Yeah, you're going to lose, you're going to lose Brenton Strange, but Theo Johnson is, uh, you know, he'll be one of the better tight ends in the country if he if he comes back. Um, and then I think, you know, you you kind of have the linebacker position figured out. Um Abdul Abdul Carter obviously will be kind of a focal point. Um, I mean, Joey Porter Jr. W- was a really, really, really good cornerback, but uh, Kalen King, I mean, he can be even better. He 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 was very highly graded this year, you know, right on par with, with Joey Porter Jr. You bring in Storm Duck. Um, opposite him, you still have a lot of guys in, in that um, in that secondary that are coming back. You had you know so much depth last year, so I'm not really concerned there. I, I think one of the um, you know one of the keys for for next year is you do need somebody to step up, you know, either linebacker on the line, and I think there's two um, there's two really good options there. Like like we saw, we saw Abdul, Abdul Carter step up uh, in in his time, and I think there's another linebacker coming in, and Tony Rojas who I think if there's a true freshman who's going to make an impact, it's going to be Tony Rojas um, next year. I, I, this guy is one of those guys who played like running back and linebacker in, in uh, high school, which is a little Micah Parsons, a little like Dan Connor. Penn State's had success with these guys who are just ballers. Um, so I think he can step up. And then the other guy is Deny Dennis Sutton, who he was the, he was the other five-star. He, w- he was right there with with Nick Singleton and, um, and Drew Aller last year. And I think that, I think that, um, I think that, he can really, really wreck a game and he's going to step up. They have so much depth on that defensive line this year. Like he didn't, he shined in a couple of moments. He had a couple of sacks in I think the Maryland game, like two sacks in that game. Um, but, but I think that he's the guy who's really going to shine. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, 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 I think 
I, I, I think Tony Rojas will make a big impact and kind of be that Abdul Carter moving forward. So um, there's a lot to look forward to on, on, on that defense. And, um, you know, the offense is my only concern is it wide receiver. If Keandre Lambert Smith can play well, I, I really don't see any reason this team can't compete for a national championship, especially, you know, you look at Ohio state and they're losing some, some key contributors. Oh, yeah. they're, they're obviously going to have, you know, you know, plenty and they're going to reload and have plenty of players, but I think this is a year you can get after Ohio state and Michigan with, with the talent you have. So uh, there's, there's a lot of expectations right now and, you know, you have a young team. So, you know, do they meet them? I, I, I hope, but, but it kind of remains to be seen with, with the inexperience, but I think that there's, there's still enough leadership to, to do some damage, uh, not only in the big 10 next year, it's, it's, it's going to be, I will be a disappointed uh, guy if they're 10 and two at the end of next season. <laughs> No, and that doesn't that you know that's a hell of a record, but I will be disappointed. Place your bets, Joe. You've had a hell of a season gambling on college football. You uh, currently are at fifty nine percent on the year. Unheard of, just just incredible numbers there. Now you really only have one more chance coming up on Monday. We have TCU versus Georgia. Georgia huge favorites minus. 12.5. We're going to cover. I want to know what you're taking for the spread, the money line, the over under. What are you thinking for this game? Um, who was it? Was it, uh, was it like, uh, DiMaggio or Ted Williams? Somebody was, was flirting with like winning. It, it was either batting 400 or winning the batting title. And it was something like, like if they, they would have to go, uh, one for four or something in their last game to, to get it. But if they didn't, if they didn't play, they they would have they would have had it. But they chose to play and went like three for four or something. Uh, that's how I feel right now. Like I don't <laughs> even want to play this game at all because because the record is is very good this year. Um, I've gone back since since uh, since Ohio State pushed that field goal. By the way, how about were, were you the were time you watching, like the time was that not incredible? No, people know what's talking about this. It was insane. It was um, it was down to the second. It, it got to the point where half the people in the room want to put on the ball drop. Some of the people yep. who were sports fans yep. were freaking out, yep. and then they called that timeout. And then after the timeout, it lined up perfectly. I was saying the, the last like ten minutes of the game, like this guy's going to have a field goal attempt as that ball is dropping. Literally, like I see the kick. It's I, I don't even watch like, it. The land. kick was he kicked it's it so in twenty twenty two, and it landed in twenty twenty three. It did. It did. It was great. I, I switched right to the ball drop, and there was one second left. There's up. Oh, sorry, my watch. There was one second left on the ball drop, and. I, it was just just the time. It was incredible. But anyway, since since that happened, I've been thinking about this game. Um, you know, I think it I think it comes down to a, a couple different things. One, um, Kelly Ringo for for Georgia just got owned by Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, really struggled with with a quick receiver like that. Quentin Johnson for TCU is is not as quick. He, he's big, strong, physical. But I think Ringo matches up a little bit better with him. So if you if you can kind of neutralize him. Uh, then Georgia can can you know hold up very well. Um, a couple players on TC that I've been impressed with though: D. Winters, linebacker, and, and Bud Clark at, at safety are probably two of the 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 upper end defenders on TCU. Some of those other guys, you know, probably aren't starting on a lot of SEC teams, but but they play well together. Um, so what can those guys do against Brock Bowers, the great tight end for for Georgia? Um, and then and then the other you know just just huge factors: the quarterback battle. Uh, Stetson Bennett's been there, done that. Um, didn't really seem to he didn't play very particularly well. Like I think he's a good quarterback. I, I really do. He reminds me a little bit of like Ken Dorsey when he was at Miami. Like he won all these games, you know, and Ken Dorsey is obviously a great coordinator right now. And Stetson Bennett might, might actually be someday, but you know, he was never going to be, you know, first round pick like yeah. Stetson Bennett might be a sixth or seventh round yeah. pick. I think Ken Dorsey was a seventh round pick after winning like a national title. But, um, so I, I do think he he's talented though, but he's just a winner. So if the game's close, like George is going to win the game, uh, you know, if it's close at all, George is going to win the game because Stetson Bennett is going to win that game for them. Um, and then on the other side is is Max Duggan. And the one thing that that I, I think Duggan's going to have to do again, he ran he ran the ball 15 times for 57 yards against Michigan. And, you know, those are big runs. A lot of that is, hey, I'm under pressure. I, I better get out of Dodge quick. So can Max Duggan extend drives on third down? Um, Georgia, different animal than, than Michigan. So that's going to be a, a challenge uh, in and of itself there. I think i have to my my play my lock so, so before you get to the play okay. a few a All few right. things to touch on there i think you you nailed it with the matchup between uh quentin johnston the wide receiver from tcu so 
both of these guys and, and Quentin Johnson, the, 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 the former starting he's six, four, 215 pounds. You're right. He's not yeah. that, that quick twitch type of guy. He can run he's more though. of a he DJ Metcalf yeah. who can yeah. just, he's yeah. going to bully you over and he's, he's fast as hell. So he's projected right now to go ninth in the upcoming draft. Yeah. And right behind him is a guy who's going to be shadowing him the whole game in Keely Ringo. Yeah. Now Keely Ringo is six two two oh five, So he's no pushover as well. No, that's uh, why, yeah, And that's why, that's why I think it's a little bit like Harrison jr. Beat him a lot. But I think this is a different kind of a different, different matchup for him that he matches up a little bit better with. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because when we were watching, when I was watching the uh, the game, the Georgia game last weekend, I was keeping a close eye on Ringo because right now the Eagles are projected to right. tenth. They're looking for a cornerback. It's really coming down to him and Joey Porter Jr. in terms of who's the first cornerback off the board. So watching who, like I've seen enough of Joey Porter Jr. know he's going to be a, a quality NFL player for a while, but I'm really trying to trying to figure out what this guy Ringo has. So being able to see him two weeks in a row, it's just a good a good way to say, okay, can he can he match up against the quick guys? Mm. Not last week. Can he match up against the, the the bigger guys? And you might see his his stock plummet if if Quentin uh, uh, Quentin Johnston gets the best of him. Huge he might drop to, yep. to to later in the first yeah. round if he can't cover either of those those yeah. two type of yeah. receivers. Because both of the guys he's playing against are going to be NFL quality receivers. They are NFL quality receivers, and they will be playing in the NFL. Yeah, this is this is a huge huge game for him. A- absolutely. Um, yeah, and and you know we we look at the coaching battle. I think both these guys are really good coaches. Obviously, you know Kirby Smart. I think there's something to be said for just having been there and done it, and and in such a you know short period of time, you turned it around and, and you're back. Um, you know, so the line on this game yeah. it, it opened up at thirteen and a half. Uh, it, it's dropped since to twelve and a half. The over under is sixty three. Now that was one of the things that really jumped out to me. I think you had the over in some of the games uh, last week, but there were some high scoring games last week. Do you expect much of the same this week? Well, I was I was going to say I, I I will give my lock, and uh, it's probably uh, not not a popular opinion, but my lock is the under under sixty three points. Um, Georgia, I think can, can, can score. And if they can score and get a little bit of a lead, um, they're going to try to win this football game. There's, there's, they're not trying to put up style points or anything like that. I think that they're going to just say, you know, we're going to put in the defense. We're going to have nice long drives. Um, we're going to take the ball out of Max Duggan's hands as much as we possibly can. And and we're going to go from there. I don't think that, uh, I I do not think that, that TCU is going to have to, uh, two defensive touchdowns in the game like they did against Michigan. Um, and I also think there's just something where, you know, I just, just, just a gut feeling. Eh? I, I think all the points have been scored. We had them on New Year's Eve. They've been scored. <laughs> After seeing so that, so this could be a more of a defensive. Uh, right defensive now, the over, and it, it actually is at 62 and a half. So it dropped half a point since we started uh, there. The over is getting 90% of the bets that are coming yeah. in. They're getting 95% of the money. So everyone is on the over right now. Yeah. 5% of the money is on the under. Yep. I think I might be in that 5%. Yeah, I, I, I definitely am. And, and I, this this game is going to be everyone's betting on it. Just ev- everyone. People that don't bet are going to bet on this game. Um, and you want the underdog, obviously. And we have a podcast that's called Philly and the Over because we know that people want their home team. And they want to see every single point they possibly can see yeah. scored. So I think that a lot of a lot of these these square betters are coming in and, and just saying like TCU is going to win this game. I want to shoot out. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I mean so it doesn't just make a whole the lot numbers. Of, yeah, it's twelve and a half. But TCU, eighty three percent of the bets. Yeah, ninety two percent of the money. Yeah. Um the the money line slightly different, but it's exact. The the money is coming in exactly where you'd expect it to, which is um which is 43% of the bets on TCU, but 87% of the money is coming in. Yeah. I, I just think we're, we're more or less looking at, you know, maybe like a 35, 24 kind of game that that's sort of the, the, the high end. Cause I, Georgia can score. Georgia can put up 40 points on yeah. you, but I think if Georgia scoring, you know, to 45 points, TCU is probably not scoring you know, more than a touchdown that there's going to, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, turnovers and they're going to get the ball in good position. So, um, I, I like, I, that's my lock. My lock is going to be that under, um, you know, I think that if I'm, if I'm picking, uh, if I'm picking the, the money line doesn't make, I, I think Georgia wins this game yeah, and I don't know. Right. I don't even it's know what, what it is. It's not, it's probably not worth it. Um, yeah. You know, if you need to take a side, uh, I, it's currently minus four fifty if you're taking yeah, Georgia, well, but you're getting plus three fifty if you're taking TCU. 
Yeah. Oh boy. It's it's yeah. It's it's not nothing there. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say if if you you want to have rooting interest, you know, maybe maybe go with with TCU. I, I think I said 35, 24, so it'd be eleven. Uh, so I, I guess that would point to TCU uh, plus those those twelve and a half points. See, let's. But you know, we're recording this. Uh, what is it? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know, four days before the or five days before the game. So keep an eye on the way that line moves and where the money goes. And, you know, you can get a pretty good idea of, of, of what the right play is going to yeah. be. Um, but I'm, I'm leaning under, I, I just think Georgia's defense steps up enough and uh, they, they can, they can neutralize Max Duggan and, and kind of get out of here with maybe not the most exciting game. I think we had two incredibly exciting games last week and, you know, you and I were talking and just kind of said, well, the national championship is Georgia Ohio state. Yep. I mean, so um, I, I think we had a hell of a national championship game and this is just kind of going to be, Georgia more or less getting the lead and protecting that lead and just kind of going through the motions. So under contrarian better place your bets. All right, Shane NFL week 18. There's teams resting full players or teams that need to win. There's teams that it would benefit them if they could win, but they don't necessarily have to. Uh, so we really have it all. We have a lot of uh, weird lines. We have a lot of just kind of crazy games and we have two Saturday games. Uh, the first of which is the chiefs at the Raiders. Uh, the Chiefs are minus nine. Um, Raiders going through some some turmoil right now, obviously. Although, hey, uh, you saw what Jared Stidham did. He played really, really well um, last weekend. Uh, the Chiefs, if they win, they I think they have a chance at the one seed. So there is a uh, there is a a benefit to winning for them. So I think they're going to play hard and and go all out. Uh, and I'm going to lay those points, and I'm going to take the Chiefs minus nine. Who who what are the what do the Raiders want to play this game for? What they want to play last week against the 49ers yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, just go out on the strip and, and enjoy yourself. But the, yeah. the thing that, that I, I truly hate about this week, aside from, you know, the resting players for, for teams that are locked up, it's really on the NFL from a scheduling perspective. Mm. And the MLB does a great job of this. The last game or two games of the season, they all play at the same time. So there, there's no scoreboard watching. And yep. as I'm looking to break these lines down, like, some lines have moved five points because it's like if a team wins at one o'clock, then they clinch the five seed and then they no longer have to play. It's so much to look through, especially from a game perspective and especially for giving out picks three days before yeah, exactly. like before this happens. Because exactly. These these games I'm not going to be betting till yeah. till game time to, to see what happens and then we'll see what line movements. But uh, looking to bounce back from uh from from one of my my second worst week or my worst week of the year uh last week so I am uh I'm passing on this one uh this one I mean Patrick Mahomes is not great as a huge favorite he's just 12 yeah. 19 and one against Ooh. the spread as a favorite of more than seven points and that includes one and eight against the spread on the road in those same games now contrary to that which backs up i guess the the uh, bet that you're trying to make he's 430 yards away from the all-time passing record is he really which, which is crazy yeah wow, so if you're looking that. for for a prop wow. bet to make wow that might be one that you want to sprinkle some money on because i don't know how important it is to him but you know, if they're playing yeah. to win this game anyway, why not just, you know, chuck, chuck the pigskin? Yeah. Mahomes is like, he's at a, at a point where I kind of feel the way like about him. I do about like Joel Embiid, where it's just like, you know, Joel Embiid had like 42 and 14 a couple nights ago. And it's just like, I don't know, whatever. Like yeah. Mahomes just goes out and plays like incredible every game. And I know that he's like in the MVP conversation. He might even win it, but it almost just feels like this is just, this is just him. Like, these games yeah. would be, you know, incredible. But I, like, like I said, I didn't even know that he was that close to, you know, the record. It's insane because it's just so like it's just so par for the course for him. All right, moving on. Saturday night. This game's fun. Titans at Jags. Winner goes to the playoffs. Uh, Titans are starting Josh Dobbs. Therefore, the Jaguars are six and a half point favorites at home. Shane, do you have a play? Yeah, I do. I, I do as I well. Hate it. I hate it. I do as well, and I'm very excited for it. I'm taking the Titans. Me too. Wow, oh, we're on the same man. page. Okay. It, it, look, <laughs> Jacksonville's not some juggernaut. They're not some great team. Here, I, I'll tell you what you thought, and it's my thinking as well. Uh, if you could handpick a coach to coach in this game, I honestly think Mike Rabel might be the guy you would pick. Oh, boy. He'd you might be in the top five. I mean, Tomlin's up there. They're going to play hard as shit, though. They're going to play Rabel. so hard. Um, 
And I mean, look, I would love to see Doug Peterson get to the playoffs. And I think they might. I think they could win this game by three, four points, something like that. That's a lot of points, even with Josh Dobbs. Who, who, hey, he, he's had two full weeks of practice. He's played, you know, played in a game against against Dallas and didn't look like horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think that I think that this is it's definitely a hold your nose type of game. But I, you know, I, I think that the Titans can put up a fight. Yeah, I mean, the reason I'm on is six and a half is just way too many points. I yeah, mean, that's, so if you if you think about what's happened the past few weeks, right? The Titans took off last week against Dallas. They've had 10 days rest from that game, but they also didn't fully play in that game. They were, they were resting. They were getting two weeks prepare, prepare for this game against Jacksonville. And if you remember last week, I was on Houston against Jacksonville and that, that did not work out in my favor. The Jags went in there. They took care of business. They blew them out. They kept the momentum going. They've won three games in a row, but they're not against you know, they, they did sneak one out against the the Cowboys on a, oh. a pick six at the end of the game. Yes. They beat Houston and they beat, uh, I think it was Zach Wilson and, and the Jets. So they haven't really, you know, done too much in the in the past few weeks, but they are riding high right now on a three-game win streak because of the Jaguars. Uh, Vrabel is, is great as a dog. 21-9-1 as a dog of three or more. He's a six-and-a-half-point dog, just like you mentioned. Uh, last week or last year, the Jaguars ruined the Colts season, the last game of the year. I think uh, a little revenge factor comes in here from from the Titans perspective. And uh, even if the Titans don't win, I, I just think it's it's an overinflated line. And I, yeah. I have to take I have to take the Titans. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I think it'll be close. All right, let's move into our Sunday slate. We have the Ravens and the Bengals. I, what the hell is going on? I, the Ravens seem like they lose every single week, but like they're still in good. good yeah, play. yeah. Playoff position, I don't. I, like, they feel, I feel like they lose every game they play. Yep. Uh, it looks like Jackson's not practicing again, so you're probably with Tyler Huntley. Um, I, I don't know. I have no play on this game. I'm sorry. The Bengals are minus seven at home. I have no play. I assume. Yeah. So I, I was thinking guys. about this, and I, I, I'm not playing it, but it, it does come down again for me. Like it, this seems like a huge line, this seven, but the Bengals just cover. I mean, they're what twenty yeah. and, and three in yep. the last twenty three games. Something, something crazy like that. So, uh. I, I I can't lay the seven points. I I and I'm I'm not going to take the Ravens, so I'm passing. Yeah, the Bengals are also coming off of you know a very unique uh, week, so it, it's it's tough to play them. And the team coming off even more of a unique week are the Buffalo Bills, who are at home against the Patriots. Uh, the Bills are minus seven at home. Shane, do you have a play? I'm not touching this one, but one of these two games I will toss in a teaser because there's a game that's coming up later that I mm-hmm. definitely want to tease down and I'm looking for something to do that with. So one of these two teams will be in a, a, a six, six and a half point teaser for me. All right. Moving right along. Jets at Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus two and a half at home. They uh, started the season hot and totally fell apart. And it has been a collapse for the ages for the Dolphins so much so that there's uh, I don't know how substantiated the rumors are, but uh, potential of of making a coaching change and firing McDaniel. I hate Mike McDaniel, but that would be oh, you huge do over. Is there? Do you hate him just because of the sunglasses, or is there another I, reason? I hate I I hate him for the same reason I hate like uh, you know I can't really I'm trying to think of a good example of a you know a musician who's all about not really a talented musician, but people like them because of the affect, like the crazy hair, the scarves, mm. whatever they might wear. Um, it's this, the glasses, the watch, the attitude. He, like, he's making jokes. They're playing rap. I mean, th- they're a practice today. They had a huge collapse. They're not going to the playoffs. And they're playing, like, rap music and players, like, dancing and stuff. And whatever, that's fine. You can have a nice, light, you know, environment. But I, I just don't think that now is the time to joke in press conferences and and, and have that kind of, uh, you know, footloose and fancy-free uh, practice today. So I, I can't stand the guy. I, I think it would be a big overreaction to fire him, though. Um, they what, did do some some nice things. What did you say this line was 11, 11 concussions. I'm seeing a two and a half right now. Dolphins minus two and a half. Okay. Yeah. So I'm absolutely on the Jets in this game. Okay. Uh, Jets versus Skylar Thompson. They they haven't announced whether it's going to be Thompson or Bridgewater. But if you remember back to early in the season, the Jets owned Thompson 40 to 17. Miami has lost five straight. If you remember back to about, I think it was like week six, the Dolphins were actually the favorites to come out of uh, the AFC. They started the season like eight and three, didn't they? Yeah. And then they, they lost. They, they, yeah. Yeah, they've lost five straight games. Um, on the contrary, the Jets have not been playing as well, but they've been competitive in every single game. Yeah. Um, so giving me the points, I-, I love that. The one thing that that jumped out to me about this game, and I don't think we've ever talked about this in our NFL talk more, more in the NBA, but is there such thing as the Miami flu for NFL players? I, I would imagine, right? 
I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we, we never I, hear about it. We hear about all the I, time in basketball. I think that that the NBA might be more more rigid in their, hey, you know, be in your hotel room at this certain time. I mean, these are adults, though, so it's kind of hard to, yeah. you know, crowd them like college students. But I, I do think uh, you only get, you know, you only get 17 of these things in the NBA. You know, you're getting 82. Um, so, yeah. I mean, in the NBA, there's always, you know, there's the stories of, um, and I mean, you can almost you can see it in in Embiid when he's out the night before. <laughs> like it's it's the most obvious thing in the world. I I just heard a story. Did you know the story? It was um, Barkley is on the Sixers, um, and this was before he got traded. But there was a lot of uh, a lot of talk that he might be traded. So uh, agent calls him. I think I forget where I forget where he's at. They might actually be. It might be at home. So it's a day of a game. Agent calls him. Says, "Hey, you're uh, you're getting moved to whoever. I forget." And Barkley says, "All right, great." Uh, him and his friends go out, get ab- absolutely hammered um, around four o'clock in the afternoon. Agent calls him back and says, oh, trade fell through. Like, <laughs> you're playing in three hours. So he just plays the game hammered and he put up like a crazy, crazy <laughs> stat line. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine these guys are going out, but I, I don't think it's uh, as prevalent as it is in, in the NBA. That's yeah, that, that's my only concern. I mean, the Jets are out of the playoffs. They're flying to Miami. It, they're getting out of the cold weather in the Northeast and going to Miami in a game that doesn't really matter. Potential flu game. But give me the points, Jets, two and a half. All right. Bucks at Falcons. Falcons are minus four and a half at home. I have no interest in this. I am passing. Pass. All right. Uh, game I do have some interest in here. We have the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Shane, anything jump out to you in this one? Uh, I will not be jumping I will not be locking it up. I, I The Browns have no first-round pick. They just got Watson back, so they're still trying to build some chemistry. He's looked absolutely awful so far. Uh, the offense is scoring just 12.6 points per game with Watson. Steelers, they want to win. Put up still curtain. Try and shut down the, the running game for the Browns. I lean the Browns, though. Uh, you're wrong. Steelers win big. Lock it Ooh. up. They win big, and, and they go to the playoffs. Have you heard the the rumor possibility oh, no. that oh, no. <laughs> they could one of the options that the NFL is considering is to add another playoff team? I saw that, yeah. So that there's two teams that get a first round bye. One of them, I think, would be the Bills. Uh, that way, it's the Bills and the Chiefs will get the first round bye, mm, right? And the I, Steelers would be the last team in. I, I saw, I did see that. Um, they, they, as we've been recording, they announced that that game is done. They will not be, in, they will not be re, restarting that game, replaying it. Done. Not no contest. Um, I think the Steelers win this game big because look, you know, you need the Dolphins to lose to the Jets. I think the Jets can certainly beat them, and then you need the Patriots to lose to the Bills, and I, I certainly think that can happen. So, uh, Tomlin's going to be ready. Steelers come out and they, they win this game big. Two and a half is a joke of a line. Lock it up. Moving on. Vikings at Bears. The Bears are seven and a half point favorites at home. Uh, the Vikings, I believe, can move maybe a spot or two, but it would kind of be tough. I I haven't paying a ton of attention. Shane, do you have a have a play on this? So I'm I'm not taking the line, but this is the game that I want to tease down. The Vikings are going to be playing because they still want to try and secure that that I mean they have a chance at the one seed, but the one or two seed. And uh, you know, they have a uh, San Fran right there as well. So Wait, I'm I saying, think I'm I think, saying hold on. I'm saying the Vikings cannot get the one seed. Oh, I'm sorry. It's between the two and the three seed between two them and the San three, Fran. Three, they would yeah. So all right. So the Vikings can move up to the two seed, but would need to beat the Bears and have the Niners lose to the Cardinals. Gotcha. So that that would be tough. Uh, it, it'll be tough. I think either way, the Bears are trying to lose this game. They're sitting Fields for this game. And Fields he, not playing in this game. He's their entire offense. Him scrambling yeah. around is the only thing that's kept that offense, given them any light. So it's at seven and a half now. Teasing that down to to a point um, is ideal. So I will be teasing this game. I just don't know who I'll be teasing it with. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from this one. All right, a game that uh, does not have uh, implications for either team. Uh, we have the Panthers at the Saints. The Panthers are plus three and a half. Nothing. I'm taking the Panthers plus three and a half. Last week of the season, uh, I've had a, just an up and down relationship with them the entire year. Huh. Uh, I, I think that you and me both. two teams are totally checked out. Uh, but, but, but the Panthers could be playing for, you know, Wilkes to return as a coach. I don't think they've taken the interim tag off of him uh they're 
their owner is talking to Jim Harbaugh, apparently. So they, they could say, you know, what, let's 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 win one for the Gipper here. Let's win for. Uh, I think both Wilkes. teams are actually uh, playing further for their coach because uh, yeah, after probably. the Saints year, I mean, they trade their first round pick because they, they you don't do that unless you think you have a chance to 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 win the championship. I mean, yeah, to do that and Real then come year. in, you know, tenth worst team right now. Yep. That's uh that's a tough look for a for a head coach. So I think he's uh he's coaching for his job as nope. well. Agreed, but I like the Panthers. All right, plus three and a half. Texans at Colts. The Colts are minus two and a half. Nope. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> All right. Cardinals and Niners. Niners are minus 14 at home. Uh, obviously, the Niners are playing as well as anyone. They, they have a legitimate chance of winning a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. Uh, the Cardinals are just a nothing on a total disaster. Um, anything? Yeah, give me the 14. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> it's a lot of points, 14. Uh, yeah, uh, I- so underdogs of 12 or more with the total at 41 or below. So this is a really low over under and there's yeah. 14 points being scored. So yep. unless you're projecting, you know, a shutout seven point game, 10 point game, I, I don't know how you don't take the points with an over under this low. Right. Um, so since 2017 underdogs of 12 or more with a total at 41 or below are nine and two against the spread. Wow. Uh, and that's 82%. So wow. I'll be, I'll be rolling with that trend. All right. Giants at birds, Eagles minus 14 giants will be resting starters. Eagles will be playing to uh, secure the one seed and a buy Shane to the Eagles win big. Is hurts definitely playing. He was apparently slinging the ball today in practice. Just looked like his old self. So I, I don't think it's been announced, but I believe he's going to play. So as I think through this, I mean, the Giants truly have nothing to play for. They've locked no, up their no. their seed, right? Correct. And if they locked up their seed, they who is it? They they'll play Minnesota as the the current standings are. Have a chance to win that game. Yeah. I mean, they they yeah, sure. they took them to the the final seconds. Absolutely. And then if they win that they would end up playing the number one seed, which would be the Philadelphia Eagles. So they definitely don't want to put anything more on film than they already did. They got yep. blown out by the Eagles earlier in the year. And I mean, you you don't want to risk injury to Daniel Jones. You don't want to risk injury to Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I I, I don't see it all what they're playing for, but 14 points, as we just talked about in the Cardinals game, right. it's a lot of points. And I think this could be Eagles get out early. Like they have so many times this year. Yeah. And, just and there's say, that backdoor cover that comes in. Yep. So I'm staying away from it. Yeah. As am I. As am I. Uh, tough, tempting, but I'm going to stay away ultimately. All right. Rams at Seahawks. The Seahawks are minus six at home. Rams, yeah, give me, very disappointing season. Yeah. Give me the, give me the points. Uh, I, I got it at six and a half. The Rams have won five games so far this year. Yep. Very underwhelming. Not what they expected, but of those five games or five wins that they have all season, two of them have come in the last four weeks. So they're starting to figure it out, I guess you could say. Whereas on the contrary, like the the, the Seahawks have eight wins, yeah, but they've only won one in the last four games and two in the last seven. So they start out hot. Yeah, now they're not playing so well. Yep. They're they're fighting and clawing trying to get in. Whereas the Rams. They don't have a first round pick. They have nothing that they're truly playing for other than to to be spoilers. And, you know, coming off that Super Bowl win, I think they still have some some bravado, some confidence that they just want to say, you know what, you're not getting in because we're still the Rams. And this is their Super Bowl. They have nothing else to play for. I think it's an inflated line because I I, I would have this line closer to, I don't know, four, four and a half, three and a half even. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think six and a half, too many points. I'll 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 hold my nose on this one and 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 bet it. All right. Uh, where are we? All right. Cowboys at Commanders. Commanders are plus seven at home. I think Dallas can finish like five, two, or one. So they're they're certainly mm-hmm. incentivized to play. The Commanders will be starting um, Sam Howell, making his uh, NFL debut. Seven points does not seem like a ton, Shane. Do you think the Cowboys can uh, cover? Sure. I, I think they could. I'm staying away, though. I mean... So, Sam yeah, Howell's first weird. start. Can, yeah. can he play worse than Wentz did last week when his no, with his no. three interceptions? No, no, I, I don't think he can. <laughs> uh, you know, let me and let me just say this about Carson Wentz. It, I, I hammer this home to every single person that'll listen to me. The guy was a very good quarterback. He had a catastrophic knee injury. He's an asshole. He's definitely a bad locker room guy. But he had a catastrophic knee injury, and he's not the same guy. Like, what do people think? Like, he had a horrible, horrible knee injury, 
That's why he's not a good NFL quarterback anymore because he had a horrible knee injury. That's it. It happens to a lot of guys. Most of the times it happens to guys in high school and they, you know, they end up, you know, not going to the show. We've all seen Friday Night Lights. We know, we know how that goes, but he had a horrible knee injury. That's all we need to talk about Carson Wentz. He's no longer an NFL quarterback. You know, it's a shame. He's going to kick around a team to team to team and guys are going to try to start him. He's never going to be good again. It's just, it's just how it is. He doesn't have what he used to have. It's what it is. He had a catastrophic knee injury. His career is over. He's never going to do it again. I don't know where he's going to end up, but but he's going to just scam somebody else out of money, and it's going to be a shame. But oh, I don't that, think he will. He, three teams in three years, he's it's over. You think? Yeah, yeah, he's he's really? done. That'd yeah. be for the, that'd be for the best. All right. Did did you see Ron Rivera's uh, uh, press conference last week where he did not know that they he did not know that they could possibly be eliminated? <laughs> do you think that, do you think um, that was sincere or? I I don't think he he knew. I truly don't. That's incredible. I just think he incredible. is probably just so focused on the week and not yeah, like all true. the different scenarios of just like, if we win, we control our own destiny and like not even considering everything. And then once he heard it, he was just, I mean, I, I actually like, I, I kind of appreciated the, the candidate like answer. Yeah. Um, however, it's not a good look for him. No, it's not. All right. Moving right along. We have the chargers at Broncos. The Broncos are minus two and a half at home. Horrendously disappointing year. Anything Shane? Yeah, I actually flip-flopped on this. I originally had the Broncos, and I think it, a lot of it comes down to Russ Wilson has been just dragged through the mud all year, and there's finally stories coming out this week. Uh, KJ Hamler, who is a Jerry Judy, um, uh, a few a few of their, their teammates are finally sticking up for him and saying, hey, he is a good locker room guy. Um so to have that happen and, you know, have the coach come out and say how proud he is, I, I think it's one of those unifying moments. The defense has played well all year. Uh, they don't have a first round pick, so they're, they're definitely playing for something. Mm-hmm. That being said, I flipped over to the Chargers um, because it's Chargers plus two. And, yeah, you know, the Chargers yeah. want to lock up that that fifth seed in the playoffs. And the unfortunate thing is, well, the, the good thing is if they have that fifth seed, similar to, to the Cowboys situation, they're going to be playing against either mm-hmm. the Jaguars or the Titans, whoever wins that game. Right. So they they want to lock up that fifth seed and not fall to number six. However, this is where that NFL scheduling comes into play. There's a game earlier in the day that's going to happen, and it's between the uh, you know the Ravens game. And if the Ravens lose, then the Chargers automatically lock up that three seed. Right. And they're playing the Bengals seven point dog. So I think there's going to be some scoreboard watching in this. And if that happens, they might not even play Herbert. Right. Either way, I'm I'm going with the Chargers plus two. And I'm uh I'm I'm yeah, it stinks. I'm gonna bet though. All right. Last game, Lions at Packers. The Packers are minus four and a half, and it's a very similar situation in this game where uh the Packers win and they're in. Um the Lions would need to win and they would also need um, the Rams to beat the Seahawks. So right now it's Green Bay minus four and a half. If the Rams beat the Seahawks, what does Detroit do? That's got to be the most deflating thing in the world. And they're going to know it yeah. when that game starts. Now, if Detroit, you know, that becomes a whole different different game if if uh if if Seattle wins. And then I'm a little bit worried. But but right now I just think the Packers are, are playing at a high level. I'm back in the pack at minus four and a half, and I'm gonna be a huge, huge huge Rams fan uh, for that early game. So uh, Packers minus four and a half is my final, final lock. And I'm, I'm hoping for a little, little help along the way. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think again, they flex that night game, right? Throughout the the second half of the yeah. year, the, the 820 Sunday night game this week and probably last week should be flexed between the one o'clock and four o'clock games. I don't think it really matters to the players too much. I mean, a little bit of travel arrangements, the different yep. fl- they all have private planes anyway. Yep. So I don't think yeah. it truly matters, but all the games that matter should be at four o'clock or, you know, have one at eight o'clock. All the others yeah. that don't matter, aren't playing for anyone. All the ones that we went through and said skip because we don't care about them. They should all be the one o'clock games and it, it, it should all happen at the same time so that there's no scoreboard watching. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's just a weird, weird quirk. It, I, it drives me nuts. I, I mean, actually, not as nuts as what ESPN did for the uh, the four January second bowl games, not the New Year's Day bowl games, but like they had um, one game started. No, they had two games start at noon, one start at one, and then Penn State. Yeah. So there's three games going on at once. I'm just like, I, yeah. I mean, why? And they're and like one's on ESPN, one's on ESPN two. Like it's come on, like you, you can't do better than that. But anyway, yeah, scheduling is is difficult, and uh, I don't envy anyone that has to do that. So. There it is. That is our final week of the NFL season. 
So I haven't, final I haven't, five, I, I, Chargers I have, plus two and a half against the Broncos. I have the Jets plus two and a half versus Miami. I have the uh, Cardinals plus 14 against the Niners. The Rams plus six and a half against Seattle. And the final game, I have the Titans plus six and a half against the Jags. All underdogs. All right. I have Chiefs minus nine at the Raiders. I have the Titans plus six and a half at the Jags. Uh, I have the Steelers minus two and a half at home versus the Browns. I have the Panthers plus three and a half at New Orleans. And I have Green Bay minus four and a half at home against the Detroit Lions. I have not calculated my NFL record this year. I'm very scared <laughs> to do so, but I'm praying for a five and a five and a week to get somewhere near 40 percent on the year uh, <laughs> if that happens so uh, I'm, I'm afraid to look but uh, we will be back uh, next week with with a lot of playoff talk and those uh, results place your bets for joe simonera i'm shane Curran. that's all for today's show thanks for listening tell your friends remember rate review subscribe And always, bet on yourself. Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?